Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing, New Song family? I'm going to get myself set up here. We're so excited. Isn't technology wonderful? We get to do this at home, hopefully in the comfort of your own home, hopefully in your pajamas. Hopefully your children will allow you to actually hear the message this morning. We listened online last week when Marcus gave his awesome word. Our children were, well, we just love Kingdom Heroes. We just love the, the, the workers at Kingdom Heroes who take care of our children every week. Uh, we were so appreciative of them uh, last week while we were trying to hear the message, while our children were, um, well, very, very energetic. We'll just put it that way. So I also want to give a big shout out to my family and friends in Minnesota. Lydia House is also joining us uh, via live stream today. So thank you so much. So hi, mom and dad. My brother, sister, brother-in-law, sister-in-law. Hi, nieces and nephews. We love you. So today we're going to continue with our series on commission. So we have been in the book of Acts right before the ascension of Jesus and right before the outpouring of the Spirit. Jesus' last commission to his disciples about spreading the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Acts chapter 1. And if you'd like to just follow along, you can, or just listen. I'm going to reread. I'm going to start back in verse 6 and go through verse 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, these amazing passages talking about, and I get to talk about today, is the advancing of the kingdom of God. The spreading of the message of the kingdom from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is like my favorite topic to talk about. It's the expansion of God's kingdom. So I actually have slides that I prepared. They are, there's a link of them on the website, so you can follow along if you like uh, following along on slides. So we're on slide one right now. It's the expansion of God's kingdom. And right here in this passage, we're seeing that Jesus is commissioning his disciples to take the message of the kingdom all over the earth. That it's not supposed to be limited to one ethnic group or one ge geographic location but it's actually supposed to go everywhere. And also what I love about this passage, and I, I love verse six, when it says, when they gathered around him, they asked him, Lord, are you gonna, at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel? And my favorite Jesus response, and it's so, I'm gonna move this here so I don't trip. It's such a classic Jesus response. It's kind of an answer, but kind of not an answer. It's, yes, good question, boys. Uh, but we're actually going to focus on something different. We're actually going to focus on a mission. We're actually not going to focus on speculation about how God is going to fix everything that's wrong in the world. And the, the, the disciples right now, they're not pulling this out of nowhere. This actually was the greatest theological question that they had in their hearts. When are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is like their burning question. And Jesus is essentially saying, great question. It's a legitimate question but I'm gonna refocus you on the mission of the kingdom of God going everywhere. Yeah. And 
you know, that is super comforting to me because I have tons of questions. <laughs> I have tons of things that I want to know about scripture and about God and about theology, and I want to know them, and I ask questions all the time. Uh, I have tried and failed several times to do journaling. I, I know many of you love journaling. Adam Green, if you're out there, I love you. You encourage me to try every time. But every time I try to journal, all my journal ends up being is a list of questions. That's all my journals ever end up being. And then I have like low-level anxiety because I feel like I need to answer all these questions that I just have. I'm like, great, I have 500 more questions. And then I just stop journaling. But what I love about this passage is it's Jesus saying, your questions are legitimate. That's great that you have these questions and you want to figure out how is God going to bring the kingdom finally and how does this relate to end times theology and how does this relate to my nation and all that. And that's great, he's saying, but I'm going to focus you on spreading the message of my kingdom first in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And as we look through the book of Acts, this actually sets the narrative focus for the rest of the book because this is what happens in the book of Acts. We see the gospel go from Jerusalem to Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Because God's heart is for the message of the kingdom to go everywhere. Because God's intention is for the kingdom of God to one day take over everything. Now, the takeover, I just said, is not in any way a violent takeover. It is not a system of this world takeover. It is the Jesus style of growing and expanding and increasing in influence until everything wrong is right again. Yeah. If we want to go to the, if you're following along in the slides, it's, it's a great time at this point to just ask a very basic question. What does God want? <laughs> well, very simply, God wants you. Yeah. Amen. God wants us. That's what he wants. He wants humanity and he wants to be with humanity. God is not an angry, distant God. He is a close, near God who wants to be even closer to humanity. Amen. And he wants to partner with us. Yeah. He is not someone who has said, I've got a mission for you. Everybody do this assignment. I'll be back in a little bit. You get busy with doing that work. And when I come back, I'm going to check up and make sure that you did it right. He's actually one who says, I have an assignment for you, and I'm going to come with you and do it through you and in you. And that's the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Nothing that God gives us, he gives us to do alone. He gives it to us to do it with us. There is nothing that we do in this kingdom life that's alone. We are never alone because he is not a distant God. He is not the, the clockmaker God of the Enlightenment and the, of the philosophers. He is the close, near, yes. intimate God. That's who he is. And his desire is to partner with us and to fill the cosmos with himself and his intimate and near presence. That's the heart of God for all of us. That's the heart of God for you. And that's what I love about the kingdom of God. And that's what I love about God. God says, hey, I'm going to give you the free gift of salvation. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. I'm just going to give it to you because I want to be with you. And if you would like, I also want you to join in in the family business. And the family business is the extension of God's kingdom. And he voluntarily says, hey, if you, you get to join this family free because I chose you, because I love you. 
Why did he choose us? Because he loves us. He just wants to be with us. That's how great God is. And he says, hey, and that's free. That's a total gift. That's believing. You just believe and you get it free. And if you'd like to also demonstrate your loyalty to me, I've got a family business that I want to do. I want to make everything wrong right again. And we see that, that this is from the beginning of scripture. If we go to the next slide, the kingdom of God is about the Garden of Eden actually going to global Eden. <laughs> what we see in the beginning of scripture is God and humanity in harmony together and in partnership. So what, there was the world, and then within the world, there was a place called Eden. And then within Eden, there was a little garden. And then within that garden, there was the tree of life. And what does that sound like? There was a three-part system. Huh. Eden, Garden of Eden, Tree of Life. That sure sounds like a temple. And that's exactly what it is. The Genesis story and the Eden story within Genesis is a temple story. It's about how God had prepared the world for himself to come and be with us relationally. So he wanted to fill the earth with his manifest presence. Just like it was in heaven, he wanted to make it that way on earth. And really interestingly, Eden, the garden it says, actually has dimensions and boundaries to it. It has physical dimensions. And the charge of humanity is to multiply and go out and rule and reign with God over creation. In other words, they were supposed to extend Eden. They were supposed to make what was happening in Eden, specifically in the garden, with the tree of life, the holy of holies, go everywhere all over the world. Now, we don't have a clear picture of how exactly that was going to be accomplished, but we know it was going to be accomplished through partnership with God and in harmony with each other. And that's how the kingdom of God is going to be spread now, in partnership with God and in fellowship with one another. So the Eden is a temple story, which I love. I love to think of it that way. And I love to think of the fact that the humanity in the beginning, in un unity with God and harmony, they were royal priests. They were supposed to rule over creation with God, and they were supposed to be the representatives of God to creation. And we see, moving forward in the story, the nation of Israel were called a nation of priests. And then, in the New Testament, what are we called? A royal priesthood. A holy nation set apart for him where the spirit of God literally comes inside of us and now we individually and collectively we are the temple and we are supposed to do exactly what they were supposed to do in the beginning which is spread Eden all over the earth and this is what we see in the book of Revelation in chapter 21 and 22 we see heaven and earth finally united again. Just like they were in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, you see in Revelation 21 and 22 the fullness of the unity of heaven and earth. In other words, we see global Eden. We see that the project that God had for the kingdom of God complete. So the end of our story is not escaping this world to go to a place called heaven. It's for the place called heaven, to be finally united again with this reality so that everything wrong is made right again. And that is the kingdom of God that we serve. That's what we're actually working for. 
were working for the final unity and merger of heaven and earth together so that everything wrong is right. There's no distance between us and God. There's no distance between heaven and earth anymore. There is no space at all. There's, they're overlapping and they're one again. And that is the mission of the kingdom of God that he gives us. If we move to our next slide, I love the fact that the kingdom of God, this kingdom assignment that Jesus gives us to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, this gives us both our identity and our mission. We already know who we are. We are sons and daughters of the king. We, if you want to use an American analogy, Jesus is like the president. He is the president of the cosmos. And we, we are called to be his cabinet members. We are called to rule and reign with him. And right now, we're in training for that role, which we will live out in eternity as his cabinet members, the ones who exercise his rule and authority on the earth. We are his royal ambassadors. We are representing him on the earth right now. We live right now as though Jesus has, was already ruling and reigning completely. <laughs> now we know that the fullness of God's kingdom has not yet come. So we call this the already and the not yet of God's kingdom. We know that Jesus came to bring God's kingdom, to bring his rule and his reign. But we also know that the fullness of that won't happen until Revelation 21 and 22. So we refer to it as the already, it's already here, it did come through Jesus, and it's still coming, and the fullness of it is still yet to be fulfilled. So we live as though Jesus were already fully reigning and ruling right now. That is the focus of our lives, and that's our identity. We are sons and daughters. We are royal ambassadors. We represent him. And our mission is to spread the gospel of the kingdom. And our message is pretty simple. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> Jesus is the president. <laughs> he is the one who is truly ruling everything. And what I love about that is our culture right now is, is scrambling in a search for identity. There is nothing that people are spending more time and energy and focus, focus on is finding themselves. <laughs> Whether it's going off on some adventure to find yourself, some, some action that they need to do, or whether it's looking deep inside themselves, people are hungering and longing to find identity. And then even more pressure comes on people because even after people find themselves, then they have to spend enormous energy trying to get other people to agree with what they found. <laughs> they have to spend energy to say, will you please validate the person that I've discovered myself to be? so exhausting. I just skip all that. I'm a son of God. He's chosen me. I don't need to find myself because he already found me. Yeah. I don't need to look for who I am because he's already told me who I am. And let me tell you, who he says I am is already way bigger than I thought I could be. Yeah. Who he says that I can do, what he says I can do, and who he says I am is far bigger and far greater than anything that I could have come up with on my own. Staring into myself deeply, I've never been all that impressed with anything I've ever seen inside myself, but he sure seems to think there's a lot in me because he chose me and he chose you too. On a personal note, you ever, you ever think of it like a, like a sports draft pick? 
You ever think of it like the draft? Like, I chose you. You did? What round did you pick me in? I mean, I don't know. I, who else was being picked? Anyway, sorry. Some analogies don't land. We'll, we'll move on here. But the kingdom of God that we serve is a kingdom of God that doesn't have limitations. There's not supposed to be boundaries to it. The disciples, in the beginning of the passage I read, they were putting boundaries on what the kingdom was going to be. They were thinking primarily about their ethnic situation or their nation, which totally makes sense. Of course you do. You think about your family, your nation first when you think about what God wants to do. But Jesus wanted to take their vision higher and broader and say, no, no, no. What I'm doing through and in you, I'm doing for everyone. I'm doing for the whole earth. I'm doing for every people. I'm not just doing for you. I'm doing for the whole world. It's not just for one segment. It's not just for one place. It's for the whole world until everything is united in heaven and on earth. So we don't want to limit what the kingdom of God can do. We don't want to limit where the kingdom of God can go. We want to give God the opportunity to expand to everywhere. And by the way, the ends of the earth, that phrase, that keeps shifting every generation. The ends of the earth become different. It becomes a different sphere as culture shifts, as new groups form, as new ideologies permeate through culture, as new technology comes. Now the ends of the earth certainly include the internet. It certainly includes reaching people that we never reached before. And so the ends of the earth becomes a new call, a new push to explain and preach the gospel to people in every generation and every culture. And as a personal note, every generation really does need to re-articulate the gospel and how to communicate it to their generation. And if we move to the next slide, we are living in an increasingly post-Christian context in the West. And that can be a very unsettling thing. That can be something that people don't know quite how to deal with. Uh, the analogy I like to use, culture has shifted quite a bit in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and if you want to go with me on this analogy, it's almost as though culture, it's like when you're playing the game musical chairs and, and the music stops and suddenly there's everybody scrambling to take a seat. You know, they all, we all got to sit down. And if you imagine that the, the chairs represent influences in culture, you know, the political influence, the arts and entertainment, education, et cetera, et cetera, the different culture makers are like the chairs. And it's like the music has stopped in our culture and we know that culture has shifted. And right now, people are scrambling to sit in these different seats, these different places of influence in our culture. And right now, the church is having a very, sometimes heated internal debate about, do we still have a place to sit? We've always historically had a place to sit in culture, in terms of influence. Do we still? Do we scramble to try to get a seat before, as the music has stopped? Do we just say, no, the chairs have already been taken? We don't actually have that active role anymore? Do we just try to influence the people who are in those chairs? Others are saying, no, let's not play the game at all. Others are saying, well, 
We pray revival is coming, so we're hoping that the music starts again, and then we can position ourselves so when the music stops again, then we can get a seat and a place of influence in our culture. <laughs> My point isn't to weigh in on that debate right now. My point is to say, I think what Jesus would say to us is similar to what he said to the disciples. It is not for you to know the times and the dates that have been set by the Father, by his own authority. But you will be my witnesses when the Spirit comes upon you and you will preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think that is the response that God is giving to us right now. It's a good question. How can Christian, what, why is the church seems to not have the influence we did in our culture anymore? What do we do? Great question, boys and girls. Great question, sons and daughters of God. Go preach the gospel because the gospel of the kingdom has to go to all nations. It has to go everywhere. And I think that what God is doing is he's trying to refocus us from endless speculation and endless questioning we can have. And he wants to focus us back on the mission of the kingdom and let the chips fall where they may, as it were. And what I love about the fact that we are in an increasingly post-Christian culture in this country, you're all missionaries now. Yeah. <laughs> there was a time when America had a broadly speaking, either Christian background or Christian basis. We all kind of understood that we all believed generally there was one God, that there was a way of salvation. It was just a question of how you got there. Now, Culture has shifted so much that there is actually a great opportunity for all of us to actually preach the gospel for the first time to people who may have never heard it before and may not have any context for what the gospel message actually is. Michael Green, who's a, he's a New Testament scholar, he wrote a fantastic book on the book of Acts, and he estimates that 80% of the evangelism that was done in the early church in the first three centuries was actually performed by you and me, normal Christians. <laughs> People who were not apostles, not evangelists, not necessarily in full-time ministry. They were just Christians who went about their lives and they witnessed to their friends and they witnessed to their families and they went about doing their daily work and they, they said, this is what I believe. So in other words, all of us, <laughs> every single one of us, are on the front lines of the advancement of God's kingdom. It is no longer the case in this country that we are relying on the 3% of people in, the, in this country who are paid full-time vocational ministers. Now, we need that. Tell me that you don't work for the church. Oh, yeah. Sorry, my wife's reminding me. So I, I do not work for, this, for, for a new song church. I have a full-time job in government. Um, Marcus Harris, who preached last week, he has a full-time job. He's a nonprofit. So we are not paid by the church. We need full-time ministers of the gospel, let me tell you. We need full-time church workers and staff workers. That is 100% true. We need that. And we also need people who have normal jobs, who are not paid to do ministry, to live the gospel where they are. Because that's where the vast majority of people are located, is where you are. Because, New Song Church, and I've said this to you many times, and I want to say it again, your life is your mission. 
where you are is your mission field. Your neighborhoods, your family, the places you work, the places that you go, that is your primary mission field. And that is your primary calling, is to reach those people with the Gospels. You, all of you, are already sent ones. I don't need to tell you to go somewhere and preach the gospel because you're already there. <laughs> you are already in every element of society. We are already located there. It's places we work. It's the places we live. It's the places we have friends. You're already in every area of society. We just want you to fully embrace the mindset that you are sent where you are right now that you are an ambassador every bit as much as the people we see on TV or every bit as much as the Apostle Paul was. We have been sent into the aspects of our culture and we are there to spread the message of his kingdom wherever we are. If we go to our next slide, talking about ambassadors and exiles. This was the, the we've already talked about this mostly, but I love that we are proclaiming the message that Jesus came and he's coming back and he's going to fix everything that's wrong with this world. And that's who we represent. So in a way, we're both ambassadors and in a way, we're exiles. And what I mean by that is not just that the church may not have the cultural influence that it did, but I mean that we are living from a position that Jesus, we believe, is the full and total ruler of everything that is. And his way of living, his way of, of being in the world, that's how we're trying to live our lives right now. We are not trying to live our lives just according to the rules of our culture. We're trying to live our lives by the rules of the kingdom, by the mandate of heaven, by the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're trying to live our lives by. We're living as though God is fully reigning and ruling right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I just have to say, new song, and Lydia House out there. <laughs> wherever, I really want to hit this point again. Wherever you are, wherever you are right now, that is where God has already sent you. You do not have to wait for someone to give you permission <laughs> to go and spread the gospel. You don't have to wait for someone to adequately or correctly express your calling to you or your giftings. You are already there. You've already been sent. You have the commission of Jesus. That's really all the permission you need. The authority comes from him. That's all that you really need to go and do your kingdom mission. If we go to the next slide, I want to talk a little bit about our witness. Let's get really practical here for a second. How do we do this? <laughs> How do we bring this kingdom thing in our context? I want to talk about three different ways. Our presence, our words, and our action. Okay. Presence. Now, of course, <laughs> right now, we are physically distancing. <laughs> and one way that we actually will, sh we are showing love right now to everyone is to obey the authorities when it comes to health regulations and health advice. Please do listen to everything that's coming out 
about this COVID-19 issue. Please do physically distance yourself. Stay at home um, unless you really need to go out. And if you do, please maintain that physical distance. We certainly encourage you this. At a time like this, spreading God's love in his kingdom looks like <laughs> obeying authorities in terms of this virus uh, advice. It really, really does. But what I love about this is that our presence, you, did you know that you, <laughs> just being you, makes a difference? Just being who you are. You make a difference just by being you. Because God lives within you, and his presence is there inside you. As Pastor Jason talked about two weeks, two weeks ago, that we are a connection point between heaven and earth because God lives inside us. So wherever you are, you bring the kingdom of God. <laughs> so there is no distinction between public and private life because we bring him wherever we go. So I know that our culture says that you need to, to keep religion private. You don't bring it into the public sphere. I know they say don't bring those beliefs into public, but really that's impossible because wherever you go, you're bringing the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, you bring him. And you just being somewhere in place is changing the atmosphere of where you are. We all know this. In the, we all know this in, in normal ways. When we have back when when this is over and we'll have physical meetings again, you all know the individual from a negative standpoint. When they come into a meeting, everyone knows when there's someone who's kind of a negative influence on a meeting. You can all feel it, right? Someone comes in the room and everyone's like, "Oh man, that person again." Well, <laughs> how much more so, if that's true in the natural, how much more so from a spiritual perspective when you come into a place and when you bring your presence and you say, I'm going to partner with God in this environment right now. Okay. <laughs> and um, just a, a real quick note, another thing from the Genesis story, the beginning in the Garden of Eden, one of the things that humanity was called to do was to bring their environment to the fullness of the potential that God had given that environment. And that is part of our, our calling. Wherever sphere we find ourselves in is to partner with God to bring that thing to the fullness of the potential that God has for it. Because systems and institutions and governments are not bad things. In fact, Ephesians says that they were set up, and Colossians says that they were instituted and actually created and set up for God and through him. And that they're all going to get reconciled back to God through Jesus. And honestly, one sign of the kingdom of God coming on the earth is that institutions actually work the way they're designed to. They actually function the way they're supposed to. And we get to be a part of that as we are a part of systems and, and institutions to pray that heaven and earth meet so they can function the way they're supposed to. <laughs> We also witness through our words. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle to articulate what's in my heart. Do you ever have that challenge? That's, that's part of the reason I read so much. It's because I love to, to get other people's perspectives. I love those moments where you can say, yes, that's exactly what I've been experiencing. That, that resonates with me. I love that. I love to be able to articulate something where someone can go, yes, I totally, I'm with you. Like, I've never been able to say it that way, but that's totally true. I love that. And I think all of us right now in the church in the West, we are in this place of 
of seeking God for new ways to explain the kingdom of God to people who've never heard it before. So we're all on that journey together. And we're all saying, God, how do I tell people about your love to a culture that no longer really knows the story of Jesus anymore? And we're all in this together. And hopefully some of the words that we're sharing here or in your, in your um, common tables, hopefully they're helping you. But we just want to say that we're standing with you in that and that we're all in this boat together of like, how do we articulate the gospel? How do we say kingdom truths in a way that our culture can understand again? And we're going we're gonna to try to, we're doing this together. We're all in this together. In this. So that's why I love when you share it with me and I can share it with you. Because we all want to seek and find new ways to articulate, to articulate the same truth of the gospel. And our actions. I mentioned actions last because <laughs> we're in D.C. and everything's about action first, right? But we are not human beings. Excuse me. We're not human doings. We're human beings. We are human beings. <laughs> but God always says our identity first. We're sons and daughters of the king. And then after we have our identity, that's when we go into our mission. So the actions are the, are the last step in what we do. So, in, in summary, new song, um, I don't know how I'm doing that time here. I got a few minutes left. <laughs> we love you, new song. And we're hoping that this series has been a real encouragement to you about wherever you are, that God wants to partner with you. He wants to work with you and empower you to preach the gospel in your context. And this is just the last, the last little thought here. God already knew before the foundation of the earth was created the situation that we would be in right now. He already knew the situation our culture would be in right now, and he already has a plan to respond. This didn't surprise him. He knew exactly what would happen. What we get to do is to lean into God, into his wisdom, and partner with him to say, God, what is your solution right now? How do we show love right now? How do we acknowledge that you're with us, receive your power, and preach the goodness of your kingdom in our culture right now? How do we do it? And the, and the best part is, God is way more committed to this than we are. <laughs> he is going to see this thing through. The fullness of God's kingdom is going to come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. We already know the end of the story. Revelation 21 and 22, heaven and earth become united. What we get to do right now is acknowledge that God's working actively. He's working with us and through us, that he wants to partner with us, that we've already been drafted. We're on his team. We're on his team. We're sons and daughters of the king, and that he has the power and the wisdom to give to us to be his witnesses right now. And we're not doing it alone. We're doing it side by side with him. Co-mission with him as we do it. He's with us together for this COVID-19 pandemic. He's with us as our culture has shifted so, in so many ways over the last years. And he's with us as we move forward in new ways of how we want to respond and articulate the gospel. So New Song Church, we love you. We are, we are all witnesses together. You are all sent ones. You have been sent to the places that you are. 
Your life is your ministry. <laughs> Don't ever doubt that. You have already been sent and called and equipped. And what he wants to do is to help you see the nearness that he has for you. He wants, he wants you. He wants to be with you. And he wants to partner with you wherever you are to see God's kingdom come in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to give you the benediction. And then we'll have closing announcements. So, Father, thank you so much for your kingdom coming on earth. God, we thank you that this will happen, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that there will be the final merger of heaven and earth, that you will make all things right again. And, Father, thank you, and we ask that you would just help us to realize that we are not alone in this, that you are doing it with us and through us, but that we would not put limitations or boundaries on where the kingdom should go or where it could go. So I'm going to give you the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and smile. And may the Lord grant you peace. And we just pray that this peace would be released into the whole earth, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Sumeria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.